Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 99. Steve here. We have Jimmy and Brandon both back from vacation. The crew is back assembled. So guys, welcome back. How are you guys doing after Roma's one nothing victory over Cremonese? Doing good. Uh, episode 99. That's crazy. That's uh, one, it's, it's good the Juve match will be right uh, before big number 100. But in terms of last week, happy to get the win. It wasn't necessarily pretty at all times, but you know, as they say, got three points. Yeah, and I mean, we're look, we're we're watching a Mourinho second season. I know what the expectation might be in terms of winning a trophy, but you also have to understand that the expectation are you know one zero clean sheets. I'll, I'll take some one zero clean sheets, even if it's not the most exciting football. Three points is better than one, and we've had way too many seasons where we've had beautiful football sometimes and embarrassing losses others. And you know, I'll take the one zero wins where I can get them. Yeah, like you said, Brandon, next week, episode 100 for the Juve match wasn't planned. It was actually pointed out by one of the listeners after episode 98 on Twitter. And I was like, oh, that, that works pretty well. So hopefully it will be a celebratory 100th episode uh, after the matchup in turn. But yeah, I mean, two one nothing victories, not really the way you expected the scoreline to finish based on the, the way the match is played out. This match alone, Roma's XG was 3.3, and the lone goal came from Chris Smalling. So not the way... It would have been mapped out by the Tifosi, but I'm sure Jose Marino is more than happy with back-to-back one nothing victories in terms of defensive structure and the way the match is played out. These are both matches, really, that, especially this second one, that I think in past seasons felt like it was a match Roma would have bottled in some way, either dropping two points or dropping all three points. So the defensive solidity is definitely welcome to open the season. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was, I know, um, you know, Part part and parcel of that is the counterattacking football as well, but it was just kind of funny sometimes in this in this match. It seems uh, eerily reminiscent of you know five aside when uh, you know it's just two teams going back and forth on the counter, and it kind of had a little bit of that. But 
at the same time, I never really was worried that we were going to concede. And um, I mean, Smalling was everywhere. Um, I know in the match preview, I talked about the threat that Okereke posed, um, as we all know from last season with Venezia. So small Dini shut him down and then deservedly got the goal on the other end. Yeah, very strong performance from Small. He's been been strong to open the season. Uh, another good match from Cristante. Pellegrini really shined. So definitely good things from Roma in that regard. I mean, the attack has been creating, though, as evidenced by the 3.3 XG. Last match was around 3 also. I think it might have been 3.1 or somewhere around there against Salernitana. So what do you think is going on with the, the finishing? I know the first match, Zaniolo really bottled a couple chances. Dybala had a couple of posts. This match, though... It wasn't so much like, oh, big, big miss by Zaniolo or by Abraham or anybody, really. It was more just, I mean, Radu had a pretty good game. But what's going on with the finishing, you think, up front? I personally think that a lot of this comes down to the fact that this is a very new look attack. Even if Tammy Abraham is still there and Lorenzo Pellegrini is still there, Paolo Dybala totally changed the look of the attack. And even when players like Nicolo Zaniolo go off, for injury concerns, which hopefully he'll be back soon. Sounds like three weeks is the timetable. Um, it changes how the attack is formed even in training. And so I think that there's an adjustment period that goes along with a drastic change to how you build up an attack. And overall, I'd say that's a really good thing. I, I You can't tell me that any side that adds Paolo Dybala is going to get worse in attack. It just It's not going to happen. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there are going to be growing pains, especially in matches that actually matter uh, when you're trying to make sure that a attack full of world-class players lets all of those players shine. Yeah, and I would add, you know, Radu had a monster game himself, um, making several insane saves that we so very often see um, goalkeepers pull out of the hat when they go against Roma for whatever reason. And uh, to to piggyback off Jimmy's point a little bit, I mean, unfortunately, with the Wijnaldum injury, we don't necessarily know if Mourinho had planned on starting him um, from the jump and, you know, gets injured the day before, the day or two before the match. So that, that throws everything for a loop if that was the plan. I don't I, I think that the intention is probably to stick with the Pellegrini Cristante pivot from the get go. But I mean, um you never know with Mourinho. And then, of course, when Zaniello got injured, that obviously threw everything for a loop. I think SES came in and did pretty well, all things considered. But again, you're missing one of the focal points of your offense when he goes down. Yeah, for sure. The Wijnaldum injury we'll get into in a little bit after the match discussion and then the same with the Zaniolo, but it definitely threw a monkey wrench into things mid-match. And Elsuari provided a little bit of a spark. He had a pretty decent game from what I thought, but you mentioned Pellegrini playing in that double pivot kind of setup with the two man midfield. And he's been so good there. I mean, we talked in the preseason. I said, how do you take him out of the Trequartista role? He's been so good there. And yeah, he, he doesn't influence the attack quite as much sitting a little bit deeper, but man, he's been really good. 10 shot creating actions, two goal creating actions in the match assisted the small and goal on the corner kick. That was pin pinpoint. Perfect. And uh, credit to Gianluca Mancini, just to throw in there, I saw some videos on Twitter where he basically blocked off two defenders to leave Smalling wide open on that play. So he kind of gets the invisible assist there. But going back to Pellegrini, I mean, he's been, he's been outstanding in the center mid. He's just 
matured so much as a player all around. And Mourinho talked about it in the pre-match press conference where he could play him in three or four or five places. And we're seeing that he can not just play there, but do it well. Yeah. And um, as, as our listeners know, as uh, the former president of the anti Pellegrini club um, <laughs> advocated for him going to the bench and uh, in favor of Zaniello once when all of them got up to speed, but I mean, he's been doing well. And I think, um, and I think it's a credit to him that late in the game where Mourinho did put him in a more advanced role that he still looked just as comfortable and it wasn't really an adjustment period. Um, in fact, it looked like he was flexing his muscles a little bit and, um, you know, not mugging people here and there. And I think one moment in particular, he found like Karsdorp on a very tight angle. And that was, um, you know, that's what we all saw last season. So credit to him for just, you know, wherever he's at, just getting it done. Yeah, five for five uh, successful dribbles. He had 11 ball recoveries. You mentioned some of the, the passes he made, just all-around game. I mean, it, it, credit to him. It just gives Roma options, especially now with the injuries. So another player we mentioned was Dybala. Dybala has looked outstanding, really, in the two matches. He had 12 shot creating actions himself, was three for four on dribbles in this match. Still hasn't found the goal yet. Also noticed that he had a couple instances where maybe he thought he was going to get a foul call that – I don't know, maybe wearing black and white that the call gets made, not in Jaloroso, but he's, he's a little over sharp. Here. <laughs> yeah, not over here. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy that he's, I know, I know Pellegrini has a, has a pretty outstanding role still, but um, Dybala just seems like he's taken such a command of his, his role in this offense and everything seems to go through him and all that's missing really is the goal. And, but you can see there's chemistry developing with everybody that's playing around him, which at this point in the season is what you want to see. Um, and I guess I'm just hoping for that goal drought to break <laughs> come this weekend against Juve. Yeah, we could, couldn't be a better time than to do it back at the old stadium against Juve in a match like that for Roma. So we won't hang on this match for too long because we do have a lot to talk about in terms of injuries and now, now Mercato as a result. But, I mean, obviously the biggest positive is six points out of six to start the season. What else has impressed you guys, even if they've only been, and I say only in, in kind of air quotes, one nothing victories for Roma to, to open the season against two teams probably fighting relegation this year? I think for me, it's definitely what we what we briefly mentioned earlier, where despite chances not going in, they didn't lose their heads in seasons past. We all know that they could play for three hours and not even come close to scoring and um, I think winning the the conference league last season has a big part of that in terms of their mentality where Mourinho preaches every game is a final. So um, searching for that goal until the last minute, and we saw that in both games. Um, and I, I wasn't really worried. I was more worried in this most recent game than the Salernitana game about whether we would actually score, but um you know then it comes smalling out of nowhere with the header for the goal and the win so um i think it's just the continuation of what we were seeing last season but that's really impressed me for sure yeah i think you make a great point with the mentality because you go back to those last two conference league matches right one nothing win against leicester at home after a 1-1 draw and then one nothing win in the final against Feyenoord. it's the same kind of formula against you know teams that were really packed in the box and and roma found opportunities, didn't really convert them, but got the goal and then held out in the end. And and really 
the way Marino described the Salernitano match was they managed the game and they kind of did the same here. They gave up a little more Cremonese in terms, terms of attempts in this match, but managing the game is so important. If you had to nitpick a bit, it's hard to complain about six points to open the season, but what would be your, your biggest gripe with the way the, these two matches have gone maybe? Uh, I mean, it's it's not really fair to say because we just talked about um, <laughs> their ability to manage a game, but I would say the finishing. Yeah. Um, these are the type of games that you would hope to put in a few goals and boost that confidence in advance of Juve because you know they're going to give you a hard time and it's not going to be easy at all. But at the same time, we could have won these last two games, 5 nothing each and, you know, crap the bet against Juve so if it gets if we end up winning on Saturday it doesn't really matter yeah I think the finishing is is obviously what's most disappointing especially going back to the Salernitana match Daniel will miss some quote-unquote big chances as they're considered in the stats uh this match Radu had a couple good saves so of course you'd like to win three four nothing against teams like this to, to start the season build some momentum but in the end these kind of character building wins might be more important in the long run for Roma knowing how to manage matches even against the the lowest of sides quote you know so to speak, a team that just came up from Serie B, a team that barely survived relegation last year. And it brings them to, to Juve, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode, a, a match where they're going to pro- have to find ways to probably manage it if they can get a lead. So definitely some positives to take out of it. The one the one gripe anybody probably has is the attack looks so good, but they're not push, putting the ball in the back of the net. But I think that will come with time. Now, we mentioned it already, but the injuries, oh boy. Last season, we didn't have to really deal with them besides... Spinazzola going down in the Euros for Italy. We were fairly healthy con- considering Roma's previous standards, right? And then you have these two, I guess, kind of freak injuries because, you know, normally in, in soccer or calcio football, whatever you want to call it, you're getting the the muscle pulls and strains. You're getting maybe a knee injury. We have a broken tibia and now a dislocated shoulder. So those are not as typical of an injury as you'll see uh, even in our, you know, very colorful injury history we've seen at Roma in the past decade or so. So when Alden went down in training on Saturday, Mourinho gave his whole press conference, was talking about Pellegrini's versatility, how he's got options with when Alden and Pellegrini can play together, yada, yada, yada. And then just hours later, breaks his tibia out probably at least until 2023. The World Cup break might be a blessing in disguise for Roma there because that'll probably save them a good seven, eight matches of when Alden season. And then I think it was about the 40th minute or so in the match, Zaniolo goes down dribbling full speed. It was, a, it was a clean tackle. Nothing wrong with the tackle from the defender from Cremonese. Uh, the, I'm going to look, I think it was Lokoshvili, the uh, Georgian player who took him down. Tried my best to pronounce that one. <laughs> a little easier than the guy from Napoli these days. But uh, it was a clean tackle, but it was all the momentum. Ball got stopped. So then Zaniolo went down over the ball, landed hard on his shoulder. And that's a dislocated shoulder. Uh, as Jimmy mentioned earlier, three week minimum, probably about a month out. So, what changes for Roma with Wijnaldum, who was brought in to be your kind of midfield linchpin and one of your most explosive attackers on yellow going out for a month and then probably three to four months for Wijnaldum? Yeah, I think with Wijnaldum, when it initially happened, we obviously haven't seen too much of him, so you don't really know what you're missing. And um, we obviously know his qualities, but just hadn't had uh, the chance to really see him um at full fitness with his teammates so it's it's a big loss for sure but it's not something that you know that Roma can get the job done without him in there um 
But with Zaniello going down, that really complicates things because um, before that, Pellegrini could have filled in for the Wijnaldum role, as we've seen thus far, no problem. But now that Zaniello is down, you need to push Pellegrini up. And um, you're pretty much, in essence, relying on a Cristante Montage pivot, which a lot of people are very worried about. Um, and it kind of highlights the need for Pinto to bring in yet another midfielder, um, which makes the Wijnaldum injury all the more annoying because he's our highest paid player uh, by a good bit. And so you're kind of, you're kind of cash strapped in that regard too. Um, so I think, I think at the time when it happened, I was like, okay, we can, we can get by um, with Wijnaldum being injured, but then, you know, Zaniolo just makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. You know, originally when it was just a Wijnaldum injury and I was thinking about this segment on the pod, I was, going to ask should Roma dip into the Mercato for another center midfielder but now it's almost imperative that they do because if you have to cover for Zaniolo you really only have Pellegrini and El Shirari that can play there and then in terms of covering for Wijnaldum it's really um, Pellegrini can can play deep you could play Bove a little bit but I don't know how much they're going to trust Bove from the jump so early in the season taking on big minutes without a, another veteran so then it's Matic and Cristante if Pellegrini's playing further forward so a lot of changes for Roma you're right with his annual injury just it compounds the juggling that Mourinho's going to have to do because if it was just Wijnaldum you keep Pellegrini deeper and you deal with it and and you know I'm sure you work in Matic Cristante once in a while if you want to rest Dybala or something and you move Pellegrini up, but it 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 gets a little dicey now, especially with Juve coming up in just a few days now, and Belotti's still not here yet, which we'll get to in the Mercato update. So the options are very thin. So a, a center midfielder will be coming in in the next seven to ten days before the Mercato closes. It'll be interesting to see where Roma goes because a ton of names have been linked there. Um, before we get to the the center midfield options. How much more of a priority does Belotti become with his Agnolo injury, like ASAP, considering that Juve is coming up on Saturday? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's, I think you can look at both sides. I think in terms of uh, roster building as a whole, Belotti becomes more of a luxury position um, given the need to uh, bring in a center midfielder and depending on how urgent, how big a need you think the club uh how big a need center back is as well um so i was kind of worried when the Wijnaldum news broke i was worried that Belotti would kind of fall by the wayside and pinto Mourinho would be like okay we'll stick with shmurdov felix etc um but at the same time if you're if you're gonna plug el shirari into that Zaniola role, you need somebody to come off the bench um, and eat up some of those minutes. So then Belotti is even more valuable. So I think it goes both ways, but ultimately you needed a second striker anyway. So um, definitely still need to bring him in. Yeah, there's no question. He's coming in one way or another. Um, at this point, I think if you wanted an extra body before Saturday, it's probably easier to plug him in and off the bench than a midfielder in terms of system and everything. A, a, a reserve striker can kind of just work and try to get you a goal or, or hold up a lead if, they, if they're if they in that position where Belotti can use his body and his, his pressing and things like that. Hopefully that happens soon. You know, I, I thought that the Felix deal was going to be done today to Cremonese. I saw some some chatter from uh, Nico Schiara that it was done, 7 million euros, no buyback. Last I saw from uh, Gianluca Di Marzio about three hours ago recording Tuesday night here on the East Coast. And Roma wants eight. 
Cremonese is offering six and Bellotti is hanging in the balance based on that. I mean, credit to, credit to Bellotti because he's been waiting a while to come to Roma. Clearly, the deal has been in place for a while. The 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 desire of the player hasn't changed because he's had offers from abroad. Uh, I, I kind of feel bad for him at this point because he's been just kind of biding his time training. And he you know he's chomping at the bit to get into game action, watching the team play two matches already. But, I mean... Is two million euros going to kill Roma for a kid they signed at a high school? I mean, can we just get to seven maybe and settle or something? I don't know. Yeah, you would think, right? It's, it shouldn't be that easy. But um, yeah, honestly, no. Huge credit to Bellotti because I don't, I don't, I don't know how many players would be that patient. Yeah, and then uh, the interesting part of the Felix deal that popped up in, in our group chat was there's no buyback reportedly. Which if that happens, I mean. You would have thought that maybe there'd be some kind of buyback or option or something involved, and there's, and there's not, apparently. Yeah, I think, as we later found out with the Dabala deal and um, there being certain clauses inserted into his contract, depending on X, Y, and Z, I would be surprised if um, there wasn't anything related to either a future sale or something to that effect in lieu of the buyback clause. Um, I am surprised that there is none just from the sense that he kind of seems like the golden boy this time last year um, coming off the bench and scoring two against Genoa. So it's, it's a little bit of a shame to see, to see his Roma experience end, but obviously Mourinho sees him, knows what's the deal in training. So gotta, you know, go with it. If that's what, if that's what they think is best. Yeah, yeah, and at this point, just get the deal over the line. I saw Shamoradov at uh, Bologna. That's still in play. Um, Cloyvert still hasn't been finalized to to Fulham. It's I don't know been on the last last leg or whatever of the negotiations for so long now, and it still hasn't gone through. I know you wrote a piece about that like a week ago. <laughs> I think yeah. about yeah. Cloyvert being almost done. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh... You know, Cloyvert Cly- close. Bellotti could be here this weekend. Here we are going into you know the next week and not even anything on the radar but that could be another element of why there's no buyback clause because some of these other deals are so far away from being completed Roma could essentially have just been like you know what this is what we're going to need to get done if we're going to want if we're going to bring in Bellotti so could be a little bit of a concession on their part who knows but um yeah some of these other ones are just dragging yeah, it could definitely be the the sacrificial lamb, you know, metaphorically to just to get the the rooster in, so to speak, the gal il gallo. <laughs> so um the the now it becomes the midfield, something we didn't think was going to happen before the end of the Mercado. We thought Winaldum would probably be the end of that, and that it'd be um Belotti and maybe a, a cent- central defender, which now has gone very quiet because of the need for midfielder. So a lot of names have been thrown around. Um, Grilich, who's who's still out there on a free, the Austrian from uh, Hoffenheim, on is, is sitting out there, probably starting to get desperate for a team, so maybe he could strike a better deal. Uh, I saw Paredes a couple hours ago was linked, our our old friend. Um, maybe Fratese comes back around. We've seen Nyangalan offered himself. Uh, I saw Nandez's name pop up. Any of these names kind of... Uh, and then there was... A, I also saw Allen today from Everton, the ex-Napoli player. So any of these names really strike a chord with you or do you have a preference oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> now that my isco dream is dead we need to bring back my son nyanglan he you know obviously bleeds for this club even however many years away from it i don't care how many packs of cigarettes he smokes before the game 
during the game, after the game. I want him back. Uh, probably my favorite Roma player ever outside of Totti and De Rossi. Um, so, you know, if, 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 if he offered himself and Mourinho's up into it, I say, let's go, let's bring him in. Um, I, do I think that's going to happen? Not a chance. But so I think Grillish is more of the realistic option. But um, yeah, you know, let's let's see what happens on that front. Yeah, to me, the the, the dream signing, quote unquote, is still Fratesi. I don't think that happens at this point because I think they'd have to do too much negotiating with Sassuolo. I mean, the only hope you might have there is that they were so tough with Raspadori early in the summer ended up sending him to Napoli on a 5 million euro loan plus 25 million obligation with 5 million in bonuses. So if Roma could strike a deal similar to that and then get their 30% resale cut out of that, maybe they could strike a deal. I think it would have to be loan with option kind of deal or loan with obligation. I think Grilich probably makes the most sense from a financial standpoint at this point and ability just to bring the player in because he is on a free. I know the thing that was holding up his moves to, I think Galatasaray or one of those teams, had a deal in place with him and the, the father agent wanted some huge commission on the free, which is what happens with these frees. You see the agents get these big commissions that blew that up. So who knows if that's maybe in check a bit now, considering the player is going to want a move before the end of August. Um, Paredes, I don't know. It doesn't really nah, get me too excited. Yeah. I mean, Alan, Alan um, kind of seems past it a bit. If he's not really getting many minutes at Everton, who's not very good right now. And I mean, Nandez could be intriguing. He's been linked quite a bit, but I think Grilich could, could be the one. I, I think it just makes the most sense in terms of you're, you're in a 10 day window. You really want to probably bring somebody in by the weekend because then you have Monza on Tuesday and then Udinese right around the corner after that. So the games are coming fast and furious for Roma. You want to get somebody in, I would think. Right. And um, with the news that, Roma could potentially be in a little bit of FFP trouble again. Um, do you, you know, is, is now the time to commit 30 million to another midfielder uh, with some potential sanctions looming, or is it the perfect time to do so? Because if you have some transfer restrictions next year, you know, might as well break the, break the bank now. So Fertesi is an interesting one. I'm really not too keen on a, um, Paredes reunion I think he's definitely improved since he left um but I don't know I think probably the wages that he would command wouldn't really make it palatable um and once when Alden comes back to full fitness I would imagine that he would be above Paredes in the pecking order and it just probably wouldn't be worth that the that way on Roma's part yeah, I guess that's the balance you have to make too, is right. How how are you going to rotate these players when when Aldum comes back? If if he's back by say January and you have him for more than half the season's worth of matches, how much is this other guy going to be playing? How much time is it going to take when Aldum to get back into good match fitness? Who knows? So I think you made a good point. I didn't even think about with that FFP report today that Roma will possibly not be able to register new players or have some kind of restrictions on transfers next year. Maybe if you can strike a deal with Sassuolo, now is the time to bring Fratesi back home because you might not be able to spend $30 million on him next season. I think he would fit perfect in terms of his box-to-box ability. He doesn't, you know, get it, get too nervous in his own half and in, inside his own box and things like that. He can stick a foot in. So he's even got the uh, the De Rossi look going a little bit this season, if you've seen any <laughs> pictures of him. He's, he's really trying to live up to that, uh, <laughs> his role model in, in more ways than one. 
Yeah, he, the only thing that's missing is come get me on his forehead, just tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out over the next seven to ten days. The the Mercato closes August 31st. We're recording on August 23rd, so really it's eight days. It closes in seven in Europe now because they're past midnight. So about a week. Uh, a couple of players should be coming in for Roma. A couple of players should be going out by the next podcast. We should have a little more clarity on the roster makeup for the rest of the season. But – before a lot of that shakes out, probably the match on Saturday, traveling to the Allianz Arena, Juve, nice and early like last season. They they played Juve, I think it was the fourth or fifth match last season. It's the third match this season. It's really the marquee match in, in Italy. Roma is one of just three teams to have six points through two matches, along with Inter and Napoli. Napoli, if you ask their their uh, Tifos, they've won the Scudetto already <laughs> off of those matches. So, you know, Roma's playing for second, I guess. But um Juve looked really good against Sassuolo at home the first match and then did not look very good yesterday in their second match at Sampdoria. I got to catch both of those matches for the most most of the, the match. Um, Di Maria was explosive in the first match. He's out injured. Pogba's still out injured. Uh, Chesney's still out injured. Um, Bonucci did not play last match, but was on the bench, so maybe he plays against Roma. You know, they're, they're not in the, the best uh, health record right now either, so... What, what do you, you know, make of this match going into it? You know what that means, though. That means that they'll, you know, pull a, I don't know, something out of the hat, stymie us all game, win 2 nothing, uh, early goal off a Bonucci header or something like that. That's that's the script of that match. But Yeah, basically think, last year, right? The one that the Kane, Kane scored yeah. that goal really early, and then they just stymied Roma the rest of the match. Yeah, I mean, but it does sound like they kind of um, – it's only, you know, you have two-game sample size, but they live and die by Di Maria, I suppose, right, with him being out. And uh, I didn't see either of the matches, but from what I heard, uh, they looked pretty toothless with him out of the lineup. So Yeah, Vlaovic had, I think, six touches the whole match uh, yesterday. Yeah, so with – you would imagine that their their whole game plan is, is um, centered on – Di Maria providing service to Vlaovic. So with then that being a little bit, um, you know, unable to do that right now, now's the time for Roma to, to, to get all three points. But, you know, we have our own injury issues. Zaniello is out. If Zaniello is playing, I would be very confident going into this match. Um, could definitely see Dybala revenge games, Zaniello running rough shot all over them, et cetera. But, um I'm curious to see what Mourinho will go with. I think if he goes with the El Shirari route again, I'm a little less confident. Um, just because, as as we've seen, El Shirari is a bench player, so I don't know if we're playing him from opening minute, um, how dynamic our attack is going to be. But he's also pulled, um, you know, several rabbits out of the hat himself. So could could surprise us but i'm i'm i think it'll be a, a close game and i think um as they always are um which the last two matches uh will, will have been a little um um a little bit of a warm up leading into this one so we'll see yeah it'll be interesting which combination Marina goes with you mentioned if it's if it's SES then it's Pellegrini with either Matic or Cristante if he decides to put Pellegrini along with Dybala in the attacking midfield, then it's Matic and Cristante. That's really the only other option at this point. And you wonder, is Matic a 90-minute player at this point? 
he might have to be if, if that's the option, if that's the route they go with. Uh, it's hard to see Bove, who hasn't played in the first two matches, come into a match at the at the Allianz Arena, either up or down or or even even, you know, on the scoreboard. It's most likely going to be those two, or if Pellegrini starts, then maybe Montic comes off the bench to, to shore things up like he has the last two games. But or it would be interesting. If, uh... Rabbit out, of, rabbit out of the hat again. Uh, Zalewski taken on the other place. That could be um, an option. Yeah, that could be an yeah. option. Uh, is he fully fit? Does he fully he, recover from that injury? I, I guess so. He came on for about, I guess, 15 or so minutes yeah. last match, and he looked fine. Uh, that is an option. We we kind of tend to forget about him because he's been playing left wing back all season, you know, since last season, and he really is a, a winger, an attacking winger, attacking right. midfield type player. Could be that rabbit out of the hat or maybe – you know, you, you you start it one way and he comes in off the bench another way. If maybe Al Shirari's not up to snuff, I'm really having a hard time deciding which way he's going to go because Pellegrini's been so good in that center midfield role. Maybe you rather play him where he's been good for the first two matches and take your chances with El Shirari. And then if you need a little more attack, you push Pellegrini up a little later in the match and bring in Matic to, to pair Cristante. The only worry I have if Matic and Cristante start is they're not the fleetest of foot together. But you look at Juve's midfield, and they don't really intimidate you with Pogba out. It's, you know, Locatelli, yeah. who's not not a fast player. He's more of a sit-back-and-distribute type of player. Can, can chip in a goal here and there. And then it's McKenney, who I like for the U.S. men's national team, but he's not like a top-class player. And and uh, Rabiot. Rabiot, who yeah. <laughs> almost – I thought I had the goal for a minute. He actually got a goal <laughs> called back yesterday on offside, um, which would have been something after he was supposed to be at United already. But – you know, there yep. I saw people on Juve Twitter saying start Rovella, start um Miretti. They were the two two of the better players when they came on off the bench. It'd be interesting to see which way Allegri goes because there were images of I don't know if you saw any of this the screenshots from the match where Juve's midfield was literally a gaping hole and all the players oh were around God, the perimeter. Yeah. It was it was <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, and that's that's what I was uh getting at with if Zanio were fit, I would be very, very confident going into that, especially um with the sending balls in, Pellegrini sending balls in, things like that. Um, going back to what you were saying with uh, Pellegrini sticking in the midfield, if we know anything about Mourinho is that he prioritizes his structure and defensive solidity. So I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with the Pellegrini-Cristante pivot just for the sake of continuity. And then um, you kind of figure it out as it comes, whether it's starting Zalewski and Zamiola's spot or continuing with El Shirari. Um, and going from there, but I would definitely not be surprised if Pellegrini and Cristante stuck in there. In the yeah, and I, th- I think if he does go with uh, Matic and Cristante, it almost becomes like a three-five-two in defense when you and you drop Pellegrini a little deeper to help the midfield and probably try right. to spring the counter with Dybala and, and Abraham and the pace. Um, I'm going to read some stats here. Juve have won 85 of their 176 Serie A matches against Roma, and the Allianz Arena has been a house of horrors for Roma. They've lost 10 of 11 meetings there. The only win was that, like, last match day of the season or second to last during COVID times um, when it really meant nothing for for Juve. So considering the history there and the fact that Roma's lost three straight to Juve, they haven't lost four in a row since August of 2009, it says here. How important is this match for Roma to to really get their season going? Uh, I think it's... I think if they lose, it's not a big deal. Or, um, or if they draw, obviously, draw points in any capacity. But if they win, I think it could be a huge springboard um, for the rest of the season, huge confidence boost. 
and uh, certainly a feather in the cap of Mourinho going to the Allianz Arena and getting a victory. Um, having said that, we all know how this goes where we get our hopes up uh, and it all comes crashing down. So I'm not going to be too optimistic just yet, but I think with a very winnable game against Monza directly after it, it could definitely set the stage for a good run for Roma if they get the win. Yeah, the three matches that follow this, Monza, uh, Udinese, and I believe it is Empoli or one of those teams right after. So it's 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 definitely a run of three matches. Yeah. Roma could really catapult the season. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, my computer's a little funky with this. But yeah, yeah but Empoli uh, away. On, yeah. And then, yeah, it, then it's, it's Atalanta Inter. So if you could win this, you might be able to find a way to go six unbeaten to start the season in some capacity or even get a draw at Juve. It's it's funny because, like you said, if Zaniolo's fit, you feel really good about this because this is a, a vulnerable Juve side, it seems. They're not, you know, super scary in attack with Di Maria out. And I, I say that hopefully not jinxing anything. <laughs> But, four goals in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh this is the like this is the time to play Juve you almost feel like and if you can get that win things could go really well like you said so hopefully when we're back it's it's talking about a hundredth episode finally a win at the Allianz and a meaningful match and Roma's really springboarded their season uh, and and we can then come back in a couple weeks and Roma's in a really good position so any any closing thoughts on the injuries the Mercato Juve um, I'm gonna go to bed tonight, praying that I wake up tomorrow with news that Nangalan is on a plane to Roma, and uh, <laughs> we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah, I like you said, we always get our hopes up. I always get excited when they're playing Juve and Inter, but especially Juve and the Derby. Those are the two big ones you get, I think, the most hype for. And I told my wife because she wants to have people over on Saturday afternoon. I said from 12:30 to 2:30, I'll be on the couch in front of the TV. <laughs> After that, I'll grill for your friends. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But that that window's there, so hopefully I won't be miserable after if there's people yeah, here. I was and... gonna say you might be a little pissed <laughs> off, but you'll be grilling for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where we'll leave you guys. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back early next week with the 100th episode, and it'll be a positive one. So thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you guys soon.